0: They're going to be back in just a few moments, but I wanted to share some things from Scripture with you this evening. When we think about the Christmas story, we think about these words, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Those famous words are the beginning of the Christmas story as presented by Luke in Luke chapter 2. But i want to give you a little challenge this evening that when you read the christmas story as some of you do with your family it might be good this year to do something a little bit different and to turn in your bible to john chapter 1. i'd like everyone's attention please in john chapter 1. because in luke chapter 2 we have the story very significant story every detail placed there for a purpose of the historicity of the events that surrounded the birth and boyhood of Jesus. We spoke about that a little bit this morning. But John chapter 1 is a little bit different. It makes an appeal not just to what happened in the events of the time of Jesus' conception and later birth, but it goes back just a little bit further. And it uses terminology that when we first read it in our culture and in our language, we kind of wonder why John chose the words that he chose. Let me assure you of this, that anyone reading this in the first century, be he Jew or Gentile, be he a Hebrew reader, which there weren't too many of those even at that time, or an Aramaic reader or a Greek reader, he would have understood precisely what John was saying. So the Christmas story in John chapter 1 is a little bit different. It goes back before time. Look with me, if you will, please. John chapter 1, verse number 1. The Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In this passage, you're going to see the Word, the Word, over and over again. The Greek word for that is the word logos. It is a specifically chosen term that had some meaning to that era and that time that we understand from history, and those of us who've been around Christianity understand the significance. Now, let me give you a hint, which we will prove in a moment. The word, the person mentioned as the word, is the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. With that, (coughs) pardon me, I'll demonstrate that in a moment. Well, let's look at it now. How can you prove that, preacher? Drop down to verse number 14, please. Dropping down to verse 14. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Do you see that? If that's not hint enough, well, who is made flesh and dwelt among us? The book of John is about Jesus Christ. He is the Word. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten Father, full of grace and truth. But what exactly does it mean when the Bible says, in the beginning was the Word? The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The idea in the beginning immediately brings our mind back to the first opening sentence of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. But the idea of in the beginning here is not just the beginning of time. In the beginning, at the point of the beginning, the word was already there. I hope you followed what I just said. At the point of the beginning, we think of Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God was there before. The Word is not a created being. The Word is God, and the Word is Jesus. By the way, the message of this passage as to the deity of Christ, his full deity, is so crystal clear that the Jehovah's Witness cult, has retranslated this entire passage to take away its meaning. They've, they've mangled, in their New World Translation, they've mangled this passage to remove the clear truth that the Word is Jesus and Jesus is God. Now, for those of you who are in the Sunday morning service, very, very key, what was the message of Christ? That he is the Son of God, God the Son, the Messiah, and the Savior of the world. How do we overcome Satan? With the message that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and God the Son, that he is the Messiah, that he is the Savior of the world. And so (laughs) it begins in John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Well, Pastor Marty, that's odd. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Introduced here is the deity of Christ, and something that theologians call the hypostatic union of Christ. You say, what in the world does that talk about? The two natures of Jesus, the human nature and the divine nature combined in one, and then the fact that the Godhead, one God in three separate persons— you see, you have in verse number one both distinction, the word was with God, and then you have unity, the word was God. Now listen very carefully. All people who believe the Bible believe that God is one God in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. In verse number one, this is, this is amazing truth packed into one verse. In verse number one, we have Jesus who is with God, but he is also God. The word was God. And so then it says in verse number two, the same, this one was the word, the same was in the beginning with God. So you have a unity and you have a division. The three separate members of the Godhead, but the eternity, the eternality of all of them, because they are inseparable. Now look at verse number three. Well, who is this God? Who is this Word? Who is this Jesus? The Bible says this All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Well, wait a minute, Pastor Monty. Isn't it true that God spoke the world into existence? Genesis chapter 1, God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Genesis chapter 1, Let there be a firmament, and there was a firmament. By the way, isn't it interesting? When God created this world, this universe, all of the physical matter, when God created that out of nothing, he spoke out of nothingness into existence something. Listen carefully to what I'm saying. It was the Word of God that created this world. Genesis says it was God speaking the Word, and the world and the universe came to be. John chapter 1 says all things were made by him. By whom? By the Word. Are you connecting this all together? It's interesting too, by the way, that if you study deeply into this, the idea of the Word of God in the Old Testament. You'll see this over and over again. The Word of the Lord came to the prophet. (coughs) The Word of the Lord came to this. The Word of the Lord came to that. You see that over and over again. In the Hebrew thinking, the word of the Lord always meant the divine presence. Whether it came in a vision, or whether it came in the act of divine inspiration, in the penning of the words of Scripture, there was always incorporated into the concept, the word of the Lord came, the very presence of the Lord himself. I'll give you an example of that. In 1 Samuel, (coughs) we have Samuel, the young boy. He's going to bed. He pillows his head in the, in the tabernacle, the area where the priests were. Eli is in the other room somewhere. He pillows his head, and all of a sudden, he hears a voice calling his name. And he gets up out of bed, and he runs to see what Eli wants, the old priest. Eli said, I wasn't calling you. Just go back to bed. He goes back to bed, and a few minutes later, he hears the voice again. He gets up, he runs, he says, "What what can I do for you?" And, and uh, no, 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 it's, it's, it is not me." Then then Eli wisens up, and he says, "If you hear the voice again, respond to the voice, it'll be the voice of the Lord." Now here's what's really interesting. 1 Samuel chapter three, verse number 10. The Bible says that the Lord stood before Samuel, and then the word of the Lord was spoken there's a connection between the presence of God and the word of the Lord. Any Jew would understand that. At the end of the chapter, 1 Samuel chapter three, it says that the Lord was again present at Shiloh. In other words, he came in his person. So in the Jewish mindset, there was always a connection between the concept of the word of the Lord and the presence of the Lord. By the way, when you read your Old Testament, you say, Pastor Monty, who is it that stood by the bedside of the young boy, Samuel, who would later become the prophet. Who is that? It is Jesus, pre-incarnate Jesus. When you hear the word of the Lord mentioned in the Old Testament, you should think about Jesus. Now the Bible says all things were made by him. (coughs) Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men." That word life is a key word. It is a word that means the principle of life, not just biological, bias, not just biological life, but zoe, the principle of life, that all life comes as a creative act of God, and that that life is the light of God's divinity in his creation. And what does the Bible say? The Bible says that the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground that God breathed into his nostrils, and what happened? Man became a living soul. Life entered his body through the creative act of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, The light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. The darkness was not able to hold back the light. The comprehension of man was not restrained by darkness because the light was so great. Pastor, why is light and the Word, why is this concept important? Because do you remember your Old Testament? In the Old Testament, the Bible talks about the Shekinah, glory of God. God coming in a great light. When he returns, when Jesus returns at the close of the tribulation period, the Bible says all the world shall see him. Well, what are they going to see? Sometimes artists depict it as kind of Jesus coming in the clouds or (laughs) riding upon a, a white horse. We'll get to that in a moment. But what they're going to see initially is the brightness of a light that has never been seen in the firmament before coming directly toward this planet. You say, Pastor, what is that? It is the Shekinah glory of God. Jesus predicted that in Matthew chapter 24. And so he is the light. Then the Bible says in verse number six, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is speaking not of of John the evangelist who wrote the Gospel of John, but John the Baptist. The same came for witness to bear witness of the light for this purpose, that all men through him might believe. Did you make the connection? The Word of God is proclaimed to be believed. Jesus is uh, proclaimed to be believed. Now John, he was not that light. John the Baptist was not, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh in the world. He was in the world, this light, this word, this logos. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Isn't that an amazing thing? that the Word of God, the Logos, the Creator, the God-man, God in flesh, comes, fulfills every prediction and prophecy, and yet the world knew him not. The world was not looking to recognize him. The world, though in that time, was in desperate condition, very similar to our world today in its level of desperation. The world was really not looking for Jesus. They knew him not. And so verse number 11 gets more specific and says, He, Jesus, the Word, the Logos of God, he came unto his own. To whom? To the Jews. And his own received him not. We all know the story. Rejected. This morning at Faith Baptist, we talked about Luke chapter 4 his rejection by the leaders and by the people of his childhood synagogue at Nazareth. He came unto his own, his own received him not, but here's the good news in verse 12. But as many as received him, see, some did. Luke chapter 4, Jesus said specifically the Gentiles would receive him. That is kind of what made them so mad in the synagogue of Nazareth. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Note the next words even to them that believe on his name. John the Baptist came proclaiming the truth of Christ with the purpose that all men through him might believe. Those who receive him are those who have believed upon him. They have believed in his name. They believe in his person. They believe that he is the Son of God and God the Son. They believe that he is the Savior of the world and he makes sons of God, all them that believe on his name which were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Jesus said in John chapter 3, ye must be born again. Pastor Marty, how am I born again? I'm born again the moment I believe on Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The revolution, the movement of Christianity, the spread of Christianity is not by the edge of the sword, nor is it by the political machine. The spread of Christianity is from one person to another as you believe the gospel, as you believe that he has come, as you believe that he died on the cross and that he rose again, that he in that death and resurrection paid for our redemption. And so verse 14 to that end, look what it says. The Word was made flesh. Who is this Word? Jesus Christ. Who is this Word? The Creator God, Jesus Christ. Who is this Word? The One who stood by the bedside of the young boy Samuel and called his name. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. That's what Christmas is. We celebrate the robing in flesh Of God himself. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. That word very significant doesn't just mean brightness. It hints to the Shekinah glory, the presence of God. We beheld his glory, the glory as of whom the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Ladies and gentlemen, what does God look like? What does God look like Look no further than Jesus Christ. He came to fulfill and to reveal the person of God to us. And he came in his first advent with the purpose of preaching the gospel and the redemption of man. But there's one other thing I want you to see in Revelation chapter 19. Because he will come again in his second advent... In quite a different set of circumstances there will be no manger scene there will be no shepherds on a hillside in judea there will be no virgin mary about to give birth none of that in revelation chapter 19 at the close of the tribulation period the bible says and i saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. This is Jesus, the Word who created this world. This is Jesus, the word who is described by John in the first chapter of his gospel. This word who became flesh. This is Jesus, the word of God, who comes, the Bible says, verse number 16, He hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Christmas is more than just the birth of a baby. Christmas is the incarnation of God the coming of the Son of God, to rescue sinful humanity by his death and burial and resurrection, that we might proclaim a message of freedom, Luke chapter four, Isaiah 61, and that by that powerful message, those who have been captured by Satan can be brought into right relationship with God. Because one day, and this is such good news, in a world torn by such tragedy, in a world that is crying out for truth, in a world that knows nothing but violence and darkness, in a world over which Satan has, swell, has, 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 has had unbelievable sway, in a world like that, Jesus Christ is coming again. The Word of God is coming again. That creative Word will be a warrior word. And at his word, the enemies of God will be des- destroyed and will scatter. And what will happen then, preacher? Kind of what the angel said. Peace on earth, good will to men. When the king of kings, the baby born in the manger, the word of God, when the word of God returns and establishes his rule and reign in this earth. That is the full story of Christmas, that is the good news of Christmas, and we celebrate it. So let me encourage you, get together with your family, read Luke too, those words are beautiful. Your kids will memorize that over the years of your reading it. But um, don't forget about John. In the beginning was the Word. Don't forget about John, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And this Christmas season, let us all learn to behold his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for words of Scripture that are so rich with meaning, a handful of verses that speak volumes about the person of Christ. Lord, may this Christmas we lift him up. May we recognize beyond the tinsel and beyond the presence beyond all of the fellowships and enjoyable time together, may may we recognize something greater. The incarnation of the Son of God, when the Word became flesh. Help that to be our focus this season, we pray. And Lord, help that to be our proclamation. Because to turn back the powers of darkness in this world requires the proclamation of the person of Christ. Bless these thoughts, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.